Hey y'all, this is D-Rock. This is Cam. And this is The, the Heartbeat. Heartbeat. On today's episode, we're joined by local mixologist and bartender extraordinaire, Stephanie Cohen. We chat with her about how she fell in love with Hartford, what inspires her passion for cocktail making, and what it's like to put those talents to the test in sponsored cocktail competitions. Stephanie is one of our favorite Western bartenders and all-around awesome gal, so we are really excited and privileged to get her on today's show. Without any further ado, enjoy our interview with Stephanie Cohen. Hey, Steph, how you doing? I'm great. How you doing today, Kim? I'm doing all right. Doing all right. So, glad to have you here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming down, Stephanie. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I've known you for a minute now, but uh, I don't know your origin story. So, how did you come to be in Hartford? I know you lived over there and over there and over there and over there and then in Hartford. Honestly, exactly like that. I, <laughs> I was born in uh, Bogota, Colombia. And I essentially moved here when I was about six years old, lived in Berlin, Connecticut, raised there. And then one day I just started bartending at Sullivan's Public Establishment on Park Street. And that kind of made me fall in love with Hartford and I got pulled in. You got pulled in. Nice. So how did you end up at Sully's? How, well, first of all, how did you end up being a bartender in the first place? Was Sully's your first? Oh, no. Yeah? Sully's okay. was like, Sully's was my first place where I learned how to deal with the real life guests. <laughs> it was like my first like realistic bartending gig. Mm -hmm. But I actually started bartending at Plaza Azteca in Newington on the Berlin Turnpike. Oh, nice. I like begged and begged to get behind that bar. I was a hostess when I first started at 16. I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to bartending school. Went to bartending school. Did not help me in any way, shape, or form. Learned how to make a lot of grasshoppers. I'm sure none of you have ever had one of those. Never heard of it. Oh, yeah, exactly. And no, no, so, no, back up. What's a grasshopper? I mean, yeah, don't, is, don't gloss oh, over that. It's so great. It's essentially like creme de menthe and heavy cream. So it's just like this creamy, minty cocktail. And when made right, it's fantastic. Well, okay. well, why aren't we drinking that? Oh, man, did I forget my shakers at home? Bro, it's like 1 o'clock in the no, afternoon. No, I, I meant like in general. <laughs> like, oh, oh. <laughs> How is that not a drink that anybody drinks? Man. Since when does 1 o'clock stop us? <laughs> right? It's afternoon. <sighs> yeah, you're right. You're right. You are right. <laughs> so, yeah, so I went from there, and I honestly just begged to get behind this bar, mm -hmm. and they would not give me the opportunity. And it was just one of those things. I just pushed and pushed. I started going home every day and learning a new cocktail and making it for my parents. I'm like, Ma, try this peach snap. <laughs> Look how good this is. <laughs> and meanwhile, my whole family's like hungover. They hate me. <laughs> they don't want me to pursue this career. And finally, Azteca gave me the shot, and I started working there. I started morning shifts only, then hostessing at night. Mm -hmm. Eventually, I got sucked into Margarita Mondays. And that's where I learned volume, which oh, wow. in bartending, volume is like it comes first before the craft. All right. So folks that don't know what volume mean, what does that mean? It means being able to make as many drinks as possible as fast as you absolutely can. Okay. I've seen that in action a couple of times. Most recent is Division West. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you get it. And it's one of those things like if you learn how to make great cocktails first, mm -hmm. you kind of start getting sucked into the all right, it's going to take me five minutes to make this cocktail. It's going to be the best cocktail you've ever had. Mm -hmm. But when you start with volume and there's just so many people at your bar and you need to give everyone everything that they need, you don't necessarily do 
like, you don't spend five minutes making a cocktail. You get innovative, you get efficient. You're like, mm. all right, I need to make eight of these. Let's go, line up the glassware, line this up. Wow. So it was the first job that kind of took me out of my bubble, like, all right, this yeah. is what bartending really is. <laughs> and from there, I think I worked at like at least 12 establishments. Mm-hmm. I did 10 restaurant and bar openings. And the only way I was able wow. to get to that level was Sully's, honestly. It like opened me up. Networking and just working hard, right? Essentially, and also just kind of getting getting mistreated here and there, mm-hmm. you know? When, it, when you just have to defend yourself behind the bar, mm-hmm. which I never did. Like, my boss was the first person to teach me. It's like, hey, you don't always have to take everything. Right. Like, mm-hmm. defend yourself. You're mm-hmm. a human being. Now, I think that was the first time ever behind a bar. I was like, I don't have to sit here and just get mistreated my whole shift. I don't have to sit here and just, like, go home and cry every night. Like, yeah. I can... I can stop someone and say, excuse me, you're being disrespectful. Right. Who's, like, your, who's your boss, if you mind me asking? Oh, Carly Terrell. <laughs> <laughs> the one and only. Taught me everything I know. My wheels were turning when she said, you don't have to take it. I'm like, yeah. who's your <laughs> boss? <laughs> it literally happened when we had, like, the first homeless person walk in and start screaming at us. And I was like, Carly, they're being mean to me. She was like, who's being mean to my little Steffi? She, like, went over, defended me so hard. <laughs> And from that moment on, I was like, no one's going to be mean to little Steffi. Not anymore. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. So how did you end up at Sully specifically? Like, what, what brought you into Hartford and all of that? Like, So I ended up on a boat one day, and we, I was drinking with a few people. They are like, you guys want to go to a birthday party? I was like, I'd love to go to a birthday party. It's 5 o'clock in the afternoon. We got off the boat, and we show up at this birthday party. Don't know anyone there. I'm over here celebrating with little kids, like families. <laughs> like, this is a great birthday party, whoever's birthday it is. Someone comes up to me, and they're like, who are you? Why are you here? I'm like, I don't know, man. Who are you? He's like, I'm the birthday boy. I'm like, well, happy birthday. <laughs> and from there, Carly just, Carly's on a hammock. She looks up, and she's like, who is this person? She just pulls me into a conversation, and she's like, where are you from? Like, why are you here? <laughs> I give her kind of my this and that origin story. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you know what? You should come work for me at Sully's. I'm like, ah, I don't know. That just, that might not be for me. I'm from Berlin. Like, mm-hmm. I work at Plaza Azteca, Newington. Mm-hmm. I'm all set. For about three years, she pursued me. Damn. Till finally, I was like, you know what? I don't want to do Margarita Monday anymore. I want to see what (laughs) Sully's is all about. And let me tell you, my first shift was a very eventful one. (laughs) What happened at your first shift? Don't be glossing over these things. We want to know. Cam, you were there, man. (laughs) (laughs) Me being there and me remembering are two separate things. So <laughs> plus our audience wasn't there. So. Yeah, yeah. Essentially, it was it was one of those shifts where all the bar regulars actually train you. They're uh, like, hey, hey, no, the glasses are over there. Like, uh, like, do you do you even know who I am? No. <laughs> <laughs> Just like the ice wells over there. So normally I take my cup in a plastic cup. She takes a cup in a glass cup, and she takes her <laughs> cup in no cup. And I'm sitting here like, all right, I'm gonna remember all of this. So we kind of touched on the cocktails. Um, where did the passion? I'm sorry, let me back up. 
Because I always have this question in the back of my head. How do you even start to create a, a cocktail? Like, the tastes and the, and the flavors and those combining. I mean, how do, do you wake up in the middle of the night and be like, you know, would it taste good together? And you start making it that night? Like, how does that work? So, honestly, that's exactly how it works. Okay, I literally, <laughs> I'll wake up at 3 a.m. and be like, oh, my God, pineapple and coconut. And I just sit there and write it down at 3 a.m. I honestly have in my notes on my iPhone the past six years worth of just cocktail brainstorming. And it's crazy. Like, if you see the first cocktail I've ever created, I, it was essentially like, oh, look, bourbon, lemon, honey. And then if you look at my cocktails now, it's like, all right, you're going to make your own like coconut whipped cream with cardamom, and then you're gonna shake this up, you're gonna double strain it, you're gonna add strawberries, and, <laughs> and it just, it's pretty much just like a mad scientist, and that's what's happened. <laughs> like you just, you sit here and you do, a, you do research. Okay. I have something called the Flavor Bible, and I, I swear by it. It essentially shows you every flavor pairing that you're gonna be able to find, from like what goes with bananas, what goes with coconut, and uh, everything in between. So there's a cheat sheet. I want to call it a cheat sheet. <laughs> call it like inspiration. Inspiration. <laughs> the, the Bible. It's the literally Bible. the Bible. <laughs> Sorry. No, no, you were. That's anyway, good. That's, that's great. Good. So now you're uh, you're making cocktails competitively. Yes. So honestly, it's been a little bit since I've done a cocktail competition. I took a little bit of a break after. Uh, like during quarantine, I was full in. It was great because all of these brands were actually reaching out to bartenders and they wanted to help you pay your bills because we were all unemployed. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them were f offering like money incentives. They were offering like, here's a $500 American Express gift card. Go get yourself groceries, gas, everything. Nice. And so me and my boyfriend, who's also a bartender, we actually just got together and we signed up for every single bartending competition we could find on Facebook. Good. And it was a lot. Mm -hmm. And pretty much I did about five or six, and then I took a full-blown hiatus. I went back to work. Working during the pandemic was a big toll, mentally, physically, and I just, I couldn't keep up with my creative side. So this is actually, tomorrow is my first bartending competition since quarantine. Wow. So Thanks. I'm pretty pumped to be back. So I got a question about those. How, how are those set up? How do you, I mean, what does it look like being in those competitions? Like, how do they plan that, right? How, do they, how does it look? So, essentially, you can go a few different ways. A lot of times, you just find a distributor or an owner of a product that really wants exposure, mm -hmm. who just fully believes in this product, and they just don't think it has enough recognition. Mm -hmm. So, they will team up with a bar, and together, they're like, all right, these are the incentives. This is going to be first place. This is, you know, so you get all of your funding essentially from the brand. Okay. And then you go from there. And then, you know, you just start marketing. People start signing up. For example, the one tomorrow is 16 people competing. 16 is Whoa. one of the bigger ones that we've seen in the area. So it's just, it's all about exposure. And mm -hmm. it's all about just like how much money the brand is willing to put back into its community. Mm -hmm. And that's essentially it because these brands are also like, Campari, for example, they're always doing community service. Okay. So there's Campari competitions, but they also have like a day of service mm -hmm. where everyone gets together and they do something. So for example, a couple of years ago, we went and we worked at the uh, 
Hartford Food Bank. Sorry, mm-hmm. the Hartford Food Bank. And we honestly, for three or four hours, we just separated beats. But we did it. We did it for the community. We did it with Campari. And it's just, it's one of those things that the brand just always wants to give back. Nice, nice. So the day of the event, you go into the event, and what happens? First thing. So you walk in, your mm-hmm. hands are shaking, you uh, grab yourself a beer. Arms betty. What's yeah. it, the, the Mom's spaghetti. Mom's spaghetti. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Were you there? <laughs> So yeah, so you walk in, you pretty much uh, have all of your stuff ready to go. Everyone has all their own bartending tools. A lot of people, I always recommend, they grab their tools from the establishment that they work at because that's what you're the most comfortable using. Mm-hmm. Like that's home, that you have used those tins a thousand times. Mm-hmm. Last thing you wanna do is use equipment that you're not familiar with because you're, you're gonna be more nervous. You're not gonna be able to use it the way you normally use your p- tools at work. Mm-hmm. So you kind of set yourself up, you mingle, meet everyone. A lot of the times you'll be meeting the distributors of the product. You'll meet the owner of the product if they're there or <coughs> just some pretty decent names. Mm-hmm. And then once the ball gets rolling, it's essentially just lining up and it depends. Sometimes they'll do like head to head, two bartenders at a time. You're just sitting next to someone and you're going, you're making this cocktail. And usually there's a list of rules like, all right, only five ingredients you cannot do this, you cannot do that. You need, you have four minutes to make this this cocktail. Mm-hmm. So it, it gets pretty. Wow, that's yeah. intense. So it's kind of like a like food network, like yes. a Top Chef or something like that. Yes, okay. so I actually did one, uh, it was like an iron bartending competition. Mm. So picture Chopped. Yeah. And it was at Elm City Social in New Haven. Ooh. And it, exactly. And it was called Shave the Chef event. It, it was in November, and what they did is they got all Thanksgiving leftovers, and every competitor walked in. They could not bring anything from home, and you just had to go and choose from all of these leftovers and create a cocktail. So my ass was like, all right, I'm going to get some of that pumpkin pie, sweet potato pie. Let's get some gravy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jameson, <laughs> it it was a pretty funky cocktail, but yeah, yeah oh yeah, it people, sounds it. people were, <laughs> people were just like toasting marshmallows, like people were grabbing turkey and putting it in their cocktail. Putting was, turkey in your cocktail. Oh yeah, a little salinity. Okay. Savory. No, <laughs> it, it was honestly one of the coolest competitions I've ever done because these aren't normal ingredients. Yeah, it's it's literally dark just meat like or <laughs> breast meat, white meat, dark meat or white. I mean, I'm just dealer's choice. What do you like? <laughs> <laughs> like so yeah, so that that's kind of the cool thing. Like all of these competitions are so different. And a lot of them are charity events. Like we raised money for that event, mm-hmm. you know, and right. it's it's always just every single one is so unique. A lot of times they're fun. Some of the times they're just so competitive, and you're coming in like straight face a game like let's get ready to show these people what i got so the competition that you're doing tomorrow is this head to head is this a big 16 person uh brawler what, what are we looking at here so this is one of the first competitions that i've ever done that first place is just too good to miss out so it, you're about to have about 16 different competitors go head-to-head for first, second, and third place. What's first place? You get to bring 10 friends on the owner's yacht. 
Oh. For the day. And it's Word. like, it's a, it's a yacht. All right, so. We're friends, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so one, two, three. All right, cool. I got four friends right here. How much does it cost to be a friend? Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to show competition. How much does a whipped cream dispenser cost? Because that's what I really need right now. That's what it costs. Yeah. Uh, so I hear this, I hear this rumor that um, you're a big fan of Fernet. Ah, I, I drink it here and there if I have to. What is with bartenders and Fernet? Like, I don't know anybody that drinks Fernet except for bartenders, and yet every bartender loves Fernet. Honestly, we just love being mistreated, you know? <laughs> <laughs> By everything, it sounds like. <laughs> like, ah, uh, feels like work. I love it. Mm. <laughs> so, Fernet is an Italian digestive, and it's just a very herbaceous, bitter, uh, Italian Amaro. Mm -hmm. So it, Amaro actually is means bitter. Okay. And it's just a, essentially what we call the bartender's handshake. It's such a funky, bitter flavor profile. And I think it's just throughout the years, we've slowly started going from kamikazes, cosmos, like these sweet, like 90s, early 2000s cocktails. To kerosene. <laughs> <laughs> to only the finest. <laughs> and... To be honest, like, I I love Fernet because it it doesn't hurt me. Like, it, it hurts everyone else for some reason. For me, it just, like, it goes down so nice. My tummy feels good. I call it old Italian medicine <laughs> in, in the best way. I mean, it definitely does taste like medicine. Yeah, hey, and that's what I tell people when they're like, what's Fernet? I'm like, old Italian medicine. I, I literally use it for everything. I'm like, oh, I have heartburn? Fernet will cure that. We, we My stomach hurts? Fernet. I'm hungover? <laughs> Fernet Branca. Hold on, we had somebody in the crowd say, Fernet is what? Digestive. Digestive. Yeah. Digestive. There you go. Digestive. So, essentially, <laughs> if you're drinking Fernet, like, with a purpose other than, you know, unwinding after your day at work, mm -hmm. you'd be drinking it after a heavy meal. Mm. And the, essentially, like, the herbs and all the properties of the Fernet help your body digest the big meal, and it kind of is a palate cleanser in the end. Huh. So it does serve an actual purpose. If you guys ever have, like, a, say you have a big steak, mashed potatoes, and you're just, like, weighed down, sip on some Fernet. It huh. truly will, like, cure you. Huh. In no time, you'll be able to, like, stand up, do it again. Really? Okay. Yeah. Fernet right. cures? Why would not drink It literally Fernet cures out. everything. Wow. All right. Good to know. Did you know? <laughs> the so more I, you know. I have another, just to switch gears a little bit, I have a question about in regards to uh, the industry itself. Yes. Right. Because I know last year uh, got beat down bad. Um, mm -hmm. Folks quitting left and right, right? Oh, yeah. Um, how did you survive mentally through that whole period? Um, For that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> So, funny enough, me and my boyfriend actually started a Fernet quarantine collection in our loft-style apartment, mm -hmm. and we collected every bottle of Fernet that we drank during this pandemic, which, guess what, guys? Still not over, so we're still drinking Fernet. Mm -hmm. We have an entire, pretty much, like, upper deck area mm -hmm. of at least, like, 35 bottles of Fernet and different kinds of Fernet. We, we got fancy, so Cinco Mayo, we bought Mexican Fernet. You know, we, we had to celebrate the right way. Mm -hmm. So we just have just a, a very realistic 
pretty much set up of how much Fernet we were consuming during this. But it's also, and I, I hate to say, I personally, I wouldn't say I did survive mentally throughout the whole thing. It took a huge toll on us, on everyone. Yeah. I can only speak for myself, but it, it got harder every day. Every mm -hmm. single day, like the new guests that were walking in that normally you would think are grateful to be able to dine out and have a meal and, you know, leave their house. You know, people are getting vaccinated. People are like slowly, you know, coming out. And we actually got the exact opposite, at least where I was working or in the area that I was working in. It was just like slowly but surely we were treated worse and worse every single day. I had like a woman drop her shoes while she was sitting in the booth. She called me over and asked me to put her shoes back on her feet. And that's the moment I was like, Shut up. this what? might not be for me. <laughs> I was like, ah, no thank you, ma'am. So, so it was, and that's the thing. Like, this is, <laughs> you have to laugh because there's no other way. No, because if uh, guys that can't see Liz's face is turned white and she's just starting looking at her boy. <laughs> this is real life. <laughs> Human beings are the worst species. <laughs> Not a species meant to survive. It's going it's to go one way or the other. Yeah. So, yeah, no, it's – and that's kind of like – that was my every day. And I found myself drinking more and more. Every mm. single day I was just like, I need one more shot. I need one more beer. Like, it's too much. It's too much. And I think that just like right about eight, nine months into being back at work, I – I left work one day after I had a table tell me to my face that I was the worst waitress they've ever had. And excuse me, first of all, I'm not a waitress. Second of all, <laughs> I might not be the best, but I don't think I'm the worst. Right. And immediately I was like, you know what? I'm going to go get really drunk. And I proceeded to get so drunk that I woke up the next morning and I was in my bed and I'm like, how did I get in my bed? And I turn over, and my boyfriend just has this scowl on his face. He's like, ah, you saved my life. <laughs> and it, that was a moment I knew I had to leave that job. Yeah. I was like, it's, it's to a point that it's almost dangerous. Like, I, right. you know, you find yourself trying to numb the pain of just your everyday dealing with human interactions. Mm -hmm. They're not always going to be the nicest, but in this case, they were just slowly, like, they were picking away at my mental health. And... It, my mental health is just too important to me. Right. You yeah. know, no amount of money. I can't put a price yeah. on it. So I was like, you know what? I love this place. This is a place that taught me everything I know about craft. This is a place that gave me a chance when I didn't think I deserved the chance. Yeah. And I was there for almost five years, and it, it taught me everything. Sis, you nailed it. I mean, every time I go there, I was like, she's working. We're at the bar, and she's going to create something ridiculously good. Um, I remember the New Year's Eve, I, I sat there, and she was, was like, taste this, amazing, taste this, amazing, taste this, amazing, I mean, back to 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 back, amazing, 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 so yeah, um, I can attest to that, you did grow a lot there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't making craft cocktails at Sullivan's, per se. Sullivan's. <laughs> but... <laughs> What? It was crazy, I know. It, it was like a Budweiser, you know, vodka soda, careful in a plastic cup, yeah. <laughs> splash of crayon, not too, not too heavy. But it, that was the other thing. Like, 
once I finally started learning the ropes and kind of started learning what I was capable of and I was able to s create cocktails, I, I fell in love with it. I was like, this is amazing. This is everything I've ever wanted. I'm making cool cocktails and people love them. Mm. And people are coming back and these are the guests that I want to see at my bar. I want my bar full of people who just appreciate what I do for a living because I appreciate the fact that you acknowledge that I put work into this cocktail, mm. that I, I took time out of my day to like create something for you. Mm. And that was another thing, like in the last, I want to say seven months, I, I felt like I was almost a disappointment to even my regulars because people, people would come in and I just, I was so burnt out. I did not have any creativity left in me. Mm. People would come in and order a cocktail and I don't know why, I just froze. I could not mm. think, I, I couldn't react and I would actually just go hide behind my coworkers. I'd be like, hey, they want a dealer's choice cocktail, which means just like, make me whatever. I can't do it. And my coworkers were like, Steph, That's what do you mean? That's like, exactly. Like yeah. this is who you are. And I'm like, I can't, I can't think of anything. I don't know what to make. I don't even know how to use a shaker, a jigger, like where am I right now? Huh. And it turned into one of those things that I like, I totally gave up the craft and just any will to bartend. And I signed up for college, started taking some courses and I'm like, I don't know where I'm going, but I'm not going to bartend the next pandemic. Yeah. Right. And to be honest, like once I left there, I'm back in love with it. Yeah. I'm like, this is it. I want to bartend all the way through college. I want to always bartend. I always want to have something to do with it. So it definitely, it took a toll on that. And I mean, I have to thank my coworkers for always adjusting yeah. to my personalities. Mm -hmm. God, so... I was going to ask you what you've learned about people and society <laughs> at large in your time as a bartender, but I, I mean, I don't even know that we want the answer to that after all of this. <laughs> I learned nothing. Yeah. I've learned nothing so far. Oh, you've definitely learned things. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you learned you ain't putting on nobody's things. shoes, number yeah. one. I ain't putting on nobody's shoes. What's wrong with you, girl? <laughs> <laughs> what? like, I'm going to throw those shoes out right now. <laughs> so I always, I always say this. I will ask this. Um, hopes and dreams coming well we're not all the way out by the least bit but going forward hopes and dreams going forward within the industry what's your hopes and dreams for honestly i just hope to get back kind of to where we were this is a new age you know like every day is so different every day we're still learning every day you know we're getting a new mandate we're getting new guidelines so we're all kind of just like holding our breath and that's what this whole thing has felt like just we're just waiting for that like breath of fresh air, mm -hmm. you know? And my only hopes are truly that just everyone hangs on and just remembers why they do this, mm -hmm. whether yeah. it's income, whether it's happiness, whether it's like this is your life's passion, just don't forget about that and don't let people get to you because it's honestly like, it's one of those like animal kingdom things. People, they will prey on the weak. If you feel not confident, if you feel like you're just not fully there, they'll eat you alive, especially behind that bar. And not even behind that bar. To be honest, my hat goes off to the hostess. Like, the hostess have seen it. Imagine just a 17-year-old little girl. She's in high school. She's just getting screamed at in her face. She has no idea what to say. And she's like, I'm so sorry. Can you just please put your mask on to go to the bathroom? And they're like, 
spitting at her, just screaming so loud. In my head, I'm like, she's 17 years old. I'm sure everyone has a kid, a brother, sister, you know, just other humans in their life that you would be appalled at the way they get treated. So for me, I just, I want overall human respect and I just want us all to love again. Yeah. Too deep? No. <laughs> no, 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 that's no. great. That's I felt that in my soul. Yeah, I'm just simmering <laughs> with that for a second. Yeah. Um, so you've worked a lot of places. What would you say has been your favorite to work at? Was it Sully's? Was I mean, Sully's will always be ingrained in my heart. For better or worse, I'm telling you, I've never in my life, like, chased homeless people around until I worked at Sully's. <laughs> like, they usually chased me. It was crazy. <laughs> To be honest, like, I'm from Berlin, Connecticut. Like, do you know what it's like? The, my first interaction, real interaction in Hartford is Park Street. And I'm uh, like, I can't go to the 7-Eleven alone. <laughs> now, now I walk my dog up and down Park Street. I'm like, it's 1030. I still have time. <laughs> nice. So we normally ask three questions, right? You want to start with the first one, Derek? Yeah, sure. So what... What would you say is your favorite thing about Park Street? I love how every time I step out of my house and I go to the local Hartford watering holes, I see every single person that I do and don't want to see again. <laughs> like, I just, I love how close everyone is. Everyone knows everything. It just, it feels so homey. It feels like such a community yeah. in my eyes. And it's, we all come from different places. We all do different things for work, but we all just, at the end of the night, 10, 30, 11 p.m., we, we're all cheersing that beer. We're all just washing it down, and we, we feel like family. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what I love about Hartford. I just I love the fact that we're just continuously giving back to our own people, our own community. God, I love that. Yeah. That's I love that. Don't, don't cry. That's Vince. perfect. I love it. <laughs> do, we, do we have tissues? <laughs> all right, second question. Right. what the second question was. It's all right. Okay. If you could change one thing about Hartford, Steph, what would it be? Oof. I mean, should I start with the potholes? Or <laughs> <laughs> Boom! <laughs> because, like, come Boom! on. <laughs> first time someone said Boom! that. <laughs> Is that really the Up first time? <laughs> Up top. Oh, my God. Like, my poor car. Oh, my god. Felicia's goodness. not going to make it too much longer. <laughs> We're all going to be rolling around like the Flintstones in a second. Oh, I've been yeah. saying this. <laughs> For a long period of time, what axles? <laughs> the problems are still constructing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, hidden gems within gems, <laughs> gems Again, within Harford. I love going to the gym, but not many that I recommend. <laughs> but um, so I'm gonna be a biased right now. I actually am currently working one of the best bartending jobs I've personally ever had. It's that unicorn bartending job where you just, it can't get any better. Every Mm -hmm. time you think like, oh no, this place is pretty great. Then you see another dog, you know, like this place is even better. It's called Gastro Park, uh, right in, right on New Park, Mm -hmm. right in Hartford. It's like West Hartford, Hartford timeline. And it's a food truck concept with a big bar on the inside. So it's the industrial area. And it's so cool because it's rotating food trucks. So we're open Sunday through Wednesday, and every single day, I mean, 
No, Wednesday through Sunday. My bad. Don't, <laughs> don't go there on a Monday. <laughs> <I'm not laughs> Hey, those are interesting. Yeah, like, yeah. Those are really yeah. interesting days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're going to avoid the weekend. The other <laughs> Friday, bump Friday. Yeah. Who needs Fridays? Mm-hmm. No. So it's really cool because it's essentially just big bar. We're doing craft cocktails. We're actually going to be taking that step forward with batching cocktails, which is something that's become huge during the pandemic. Before it was kind of like. All you want to see is a bartender flair, like, you know, shake some things up, stir some things. And nowadays, we want speed and efficiency, and you get that from batching, which is a big thing that we're doing. We're still using all the fresh juices. We're using all of the fresh products, but what we do is we combine everything right then and there, depending, you know, some things you shouldn't combine, whatnot. But what we're doing is we're actually putting all of our signature cocktails on draft, or as many as we can. Like, like, Like the turkey one? Yes, yeah, like the turkey, the turkey one, one. Joking. mashed potatoes, yeah. gravy, <laughs> stupid potato. And it's so great because it essentially speeds everything up. So everyone is getting a great craft cocktail ASAP. And it just yeah. goes and goes. And there's a bunch of dogs, rotating food trucks. So that's like one of my favorites. Again, I'm biased. I also love the locals, the Tissane, Half Door, and Spigot. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sitting at Spigot right now with a beer, and I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm at home. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> Me three. Yeah. So, <laughs> good stuff. All right, Stephanie, but thank you for coming through. Is there anything that you want to promo for yourself or? I mean, I think I just promote my establishment. Okay. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I just – I fully back it. I love all our local watering holes. Like, I will always support – to saying, I mean, I'm sure you've all seen me guest bartend everywhere. That's just my way of life now. I love <laughs> it. I just, you know, it's nice to be able to jump around, have a change of pace, change mm-hmm. of scenery, change of guests sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> you know, and it, it's just like it, it's a big group of people that all they want to do is just support their neighbors. Right. Yeah. right. And that's, you know, that's why I love what I do. And those are the reasons why I do it. So I'm happy to be able to get back to that and, you know, do what I love again. Nice. Well, Steph, this has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for coming down today. Thank you for having me. Hopefully we can do this again sometime. And uh, until then. I mean, if you keep buying me beer, I'll be there. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. All right. Man, that was a fun episode to record. Yeah, you could probably hear it in our voices, but we were having an absolute blast. It was so fascinating to hear Stephanie's take on how COVID impacted the industry and how it opened up whole new opportunities for her in the world of cocktail-making competitions. I actually had the pleasure of getting to watch her compete in the event she mentioned in this episode, and she did phenomenally. She definitely has a gift for cocktail-making, and she could go far with these types of competitions. We'd like to thank Stephanie once again for coming on the show and all of you for your continued support. Don't forget to smash that subscribe button and tell all your friends about us. And be sure to tune in next week for a special episode about the Spigot Fantasy Football Draft. Do-do-do. Do-do-do. And now we're going to check in with Liz with the weekly events. Good evening, everybody. It is Liz coming to you with this weekend's events in Hartford. On Thursday, September 9th, it's busy people. 
so buckle in. First, you can start at the No Good Market. It's up tomorrow from 5 to 8 for all of your fresh and local yummies. Then you can bring that picnic and some wine to go see the Sarah Hannanen Sextet at the Butler McCook House from 6 to 8. Then head to Pratt for Hannah's Field playing 9 to 11 for all you night owls. And if learning is more of your thing, check out some Hartford history with the Amistad Journey to freedom from 4 to 6 p.m. at the Riverfront Plaza. But seriously, folks, most importantly for us nerds, starting this Thursday, it's Kineticon. Woot woot! Make sure you're vaccinated and masked up, and I am not just talking about your cosplay, people. That is all weekend, so you plebes go check out. Let your nerd flag fly. Friday from 12 to 1 is the summer concert at the Connecticut State House and the Hiko String Quartet concert at Elizabeth Park at 6 p.m. Those guys are no joke and absolutely beautiful to hear. Saturday is again still going to be the Kineticon. They'll be hosting some awesome events and you can join D-Rock and I down on Pratt Street around 9 o'clock for a silent pride disco. So not only are you letting your nerd flag fly this week, but bring down your pride flag and let's party in Hartford. And don't forget, people, that this week is Pride and that festivities are going to be going on all week and into the weekend. So we're super excited. And this Sunday, local Hartford West End legend Howie Aiken who claims to have hit back-to-back 60-yard field goals in his younger life, has agreed to his opportunity to take three chances to hit a 30-yard field goal at Riverside Park. It's going to be Sunday, 9-19, at 12. The kicks are going to be at 12:20. You can make a gift at ccals.org uh, and come and check out this amazing event. Have fun. Be safe. Bye. Until next time, I'm D-Rock. This is Cam. And you've been listening to The The Heartbeat. Heartbeat.